The following program is provided by Alaska Outdoors Magazine on Talk 700 KBYR. Opinions and views expressed on Alaska Outdoors Magazine are not necessarily the opinions and views of staff and management of KBYR. Sit back, relax, and enjoy Alaska Outdoors Magazine. Welcome to Alaska Outdoors Magazine with host Evan Swenson. You're invited to come along with us as we bring you accurate and authentic answers for Alaskans by Alaskans. It's your KBYR window to Alaska's outdoors. If it's in the outdoors and in Alaska, it's right here on Alaska Outdoors Magazine. Now here's Evan Swenson, your host for Alaska Outdoor Magazine. This is Evan Swenson. My guest today is Representative Beverly Masick. Representative Masick's an outspoken critic of the governor's and Washington's excuses for voting away constitutionally guaranteed rights. We'll talk to Representative Masick about the cause and the cure and how it will affect your hunting and fishing. Representative Masick is in a unique is in a unique position in the subsistence Indian country issues. Governor Knowles, Deputy Chief of Staff, claims that there is a vocal minority in the legislature speaking out against subsistence. We'll ask Representative Masick if she thinks there is a vocal minority in the legislature or if it's the governor who isn't listening to the vocal majority. Certain native leaders and others have threatened civil disobedience if they don't get their own way about subsistence. We'll ask Representative Masick if these outspoken people are the voice of the native community or the voice of the vocal minority. There are some things, we'll, these are some of the things we'll talk to Representative Masick about. We'll have the Alaska Outdoors Trivia Contest and give away two tickets to Friday's UAA hockey game. And we'll finish up today with one last cast. Today's one last cast is titled Alaska Outdoors Other Side. We'll visit with Representative Beverly Masick, have the Out- Alaska Outdoors Trivia Contest, save time for one last cast, and go to the phones for your questions and comments in just a moment. We'll be back right back and with accurate and authentic answers for Alaskans by Alaskans. There's an author masterminds book by Carl Douglas, neurosurgeon turned author writes with gripping realism, all in jest. How the jest comes about is worth the reading. The book is full of fun, humor, anger, fear, pathos, intense emotional conflict, and tense and riveting courtroom drama. There is a considerable amount of theater outside the courts as well. You will want to read it in one sitting and pass it along to your family and friends the next day. You'll find all of Carl's 28 novels with the Publication Consultant's logo on the cover at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, and everywhere good books are sold. If you'd like to be an author mastermind's published author like Carl Douglas, neurosurgeon-turned-author writes with gripping realism, Publication consultants can help. If you've written a book, if you're writing a book, or if you're thinking about writing a book, call for the free booklet, Bringing Your Book to Market. Call 349-2424. All in Jest was just a dream until Carl ordered his own Bringing Your Book to Market. Publication consultants will send you the booklet free. Call 349-2424 for the free booklet, Bringing Your Book to Market. 349-2424. Carl Douglas called, and now All in Jest is available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, and everywhere good books are sold. You're listening to Alaska Outdoor Magazine on 700 KBYR. Well, welcome to Alaska Outdoor Magazine, your KBYR window to Alaska Outdoors. 
This is your show, and it's your time to talk. This is a live show originating in Anchorage. I'm Evan Swenson, and today we'll be talking with Representative Beverly Massick about subsistence in Indian country. In a few minutes, we'll have the Alaska Outdoor Trivia Contest give away two tickets to Friday's UAA hockey game. If you're a hockey fan, you think you know Alaska trivia, stick around. You may be the winner. Uh, Representative uh, Massick, uh, are you with us this afternoon? Good afternoon. Well, good afternoon, uh, Representative Massick. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much, Evan. Evan, I'm very pleased to be here with all of you today. Well, we're uh, we're glad that uh, you're here. As uh, what's John doing nowadays? Haven't talked to him in a long time. He's been extremely busy running and doing uh, his work. <laughs> is he uh, getting ready for the dinner rod again, or is he get, thinks he's too old for that? Well, he's getting ready for the Iron Dog. Oh, he really is. Oh yes, he competed at uh, in it the last two years. He is a glutton for punishment, isn't he? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you run dogs anymore? Yes, as a matter of fact, I just got done running about 30 dogs this morning. Oh, did you really? Now, are you are you going to try the dinner rod or another big race this year? Maybe a shorter race. Probably not the Iditarod. The session is running through the session, or the, when the Iditarod is ran. Uh-huh. Well, uh, again, we appreciate you being uh, here with us this, uh, this afternoon. Representative Massick, Governor Knowles, Deputy Chief of Staff, claims that there's a vocal minority in the legislature speaking out against subsistence. And I guess the question uh, that I'd ask uh, to start off our discussion today, is there a vocal minority in the legislature, or is it that the governor isn't listening to the vocal majority? Well, it's probably vice versa. I think, you know, with this whole issue on both sides, everybody's been pretty vocal in giving their opinion on how and what we should do to curtail the problems that we're having, but when it deals with trying to set up a specific uh, group just for one group of people, we can't um, divide our state, and I think that's where we're at right now, is just trying to decide about this rural preference issue. Well, uh, of course, you've been here all your life, Representative Massick, and uh, I've been here since 1957. Uh, how did the system get broke anyway? seemed like it was all right for a long time, but now it's broken. How, how did it get broken? Well, from just my own experience, uh, back before we had the Native Claims Settlement Act, you know, we had to really work hard to survive back then. We didn't have as many benefits as we do today. And that's the Native people, you know, with the free medical and dental care, all the welfare benefits, um, the low-income housing, and all the work that the state is doing out in the rural areas combined with the federal dollars that are coming in through the tribal entities and the nonprofit associations. There's a lot of state, a lot at stake there, and I think where we're at today is there's hardly any jobs out there, and the people are really depending on the government for their survival. And with the current leadership that the Native people have, um, they should be really focusing their agenda on the economics part of this issue and trying to create jobs or get some educational systems set up where the Native people can change from a cash economy to providing real jobs for the people out in the bush. Cause you know, with this welfare reform along the way, too, that's going to have a pretty big impact. 
Well, uh, Representative Masick, uh, we're talking about subsistence, of course, and we'll probably get into Indian country in the process. Uh, it's getting to where you can't speak one without the other uh, lately. But uh, you're talking about jobs in the bush, and it's for, for as long as I can remember, that's been a problem. And the only jobs that have come along have been jobs that have really been self-serving or created jobs, uh, uh, jobs that they, the government will provide some uh, method and means of housing or a public works project, and then uh, they will hire local people to perform that housing or public works project, which is, is ser serving the people in the local area, and it's using money outside of the area to do that, but once the project is done, it doesn't seem like then there's a continuing job. Is If there is opportunity for ever to have jobs in the, some of these bush communities, what are those opportunities? Well, some of the opportunities that should be looked at and is cottage industry, tourism. I think those are areas that would really do a lot of good. And, again, it depends on who's going to be initiating these programs and what kind of agenda they have. They, they have um, the Alaska Village initiatives that's been formed to promote tourism, and I don't believe that they're really out there doing as, as a good a job as they should be doing. However, they are trying, but, you know, you really got to focus in at the grassroots level and working with the city councils. And the, I know we're talking about Indian country with this tribal councils, which almost every village has a tribal council, and... Again, all that funding that comes in, you know, comes through the tribal government. But with this, going back to the subsistence issue, though, I think I've asked and tried to figure out this question for myself and, you know, ask a bunch of other people, but I wonder if there really is any problems out there in the villages gaining access to food um, sources for their day-to-day -day living needs. I haven't heard of any case of where someone's been neglected and told, no, you can't go out to hunt or fish. I think it's really just been camouflaged all along because out in Anvik, in the area where I grew up, everyone out there is still hunting and fishing and getting their bag limits and, you know, whatever food they need for the winter. I haven't seen any shortages out there. Well, uh, let's uh, turn our attention uh, just a moment to some areas where there may be some shortages this year. The Bristol Bay area, for an example. Uh, the fish run was not what was anticipated or expected or needed for the, the folks in, living in that area. Uh, and so there's going to be some, uh, perhaps some tough times there. Now, how does subsistence uh, hunting and fishing figure into that? Well, are you talking about the commercial yes. industry? Sure. Well, again, that's Pretty much that's a, that's a separate use. I mean, subsistence is for those that use the food, you know, use the meat and the fish to eat for personal consumption, and commercial fishing is not the same. No, I understand that, but the case is being made by some that inasmuch as the commercial fishing uh, failed miserably this year, that the need for subsistence is, has grown, and so where before we had money to go to the grocery store and uh, purchase uh, goods, uh, this year we're going to have to go out and, in the field, and so subsistence becomes uh, a major item. That, that's the case being made by some. How do you feel about that? Again, it's up to the 
to the fish and game department and you know whatever what that game unit is and if there is going to be any special hunting allowed. Now I don't know. It seems to me whenever there's a shortage or an emergency, fish and game try to do everything they can to provide uh, access for the native people to get a moose or a caribou or you know a fish. I don't think there's going to be any problems with that. I. I've seen it happen in the past. Well, the uh, poor fish run uh, in uh, Bristol Bay, uh, Representative Masick, uh, was not confined to natives. That was confined to all fishermen there. Resident, non-resident, native, non-native. So, <laughs> so uh, well, the problem exists, uh, you know, for subsistence perhaps with uh, each one of those groups. Right, but... Uh, as far as how the laws are being made today and how they're being carried out, it goes again with ANILCA and that one section there that gives a privilege or it talks about caring about the Native people. So that's where I'm seeing where it would kick in for the Native people. And, uh, and so there are provisions, special provisions already in the law that if there uh, is a shortage that the Native people have preference? The rural people, yeah. Okay. You, you, I thought you said native, but what you really mean is rural. The rural areas. Uh -huh. and, and what about national parks and preserves? Well, with the national parks and preserves, they're off limits to hunting and fishing. I know down at Glacier Bay they were trying to work at the, at the federal level to have more access there for the, again, for the rural people to go out and their customary uh, hunting and fishing out in those parks. Now, uh, is there not the subsistence fishing in national parks, some national parks, as, as even as we speak? Yes, there is some. And, and that's uh, primarily f uh, native only, is it not? No, it's for rural. For rural. Yes. And so uh, there are provisions already in place for rural people to uh, have subsistence in national parks, on national lands. Yes, that's so our subsistence problem is for state lands, is that right? It's kind of, it gets into muddy water there because of how the, how the court cases were already turned over where it says the hunting and now with the fishing, that's going to be curtain-tailed over to all navigable waters and regardless if it's state or federal land, their feds are going to come in on that part. Uh, not to, not to try to, to pull a pun, but the water is going to get muddy. Oh, yes, most definitely. That's what all of this discussion and hot debates are about. Well, uh, Rep Representative Masick, uh, here on the show about this time we have a little trivia contest uh, to keep people uh, uh, on their toes and interested. We'll uh, do that, would, uh, and then, of course, we'd like you to stay with us. Uh, we want to come back and talk with you some more uh, about these uh, uh, very important uh, issues. When we uh, come back, uh, Rep uh, Representative Masick, I would like to discuss with you where certain native leaders and others have threatened civil dis disobedience if they don't get their way about subsistence. And I'd like to have you address those uh, kind of problems where people are threatening to go outside of the law if they don't get their own way. It's time for Alaska Outdoors Trivia Contest. If you're the first to answer today's question, you'll uh, receive two tickets to Friday's UAA hockey game. If you're a hockey fan, and if you think you know Alaska trivia, call 561 
3260. Now here's the question. Who launched his, his successful run for the presidency of the United States with a, with a speech at the Palmer State Fair? If you think you know who launched his successful run for the presidency of the United States with a speech at the Palmer State Fair called 561-3260, you may be the winner. If you think you know who launched the successful run for the presidency of the United States with a speech at the Palmer Fair, call 561-3260. Uh, Representative Masick, you're not eligible for the contest today, but do you think you know... Uh, Evan, I do know who it is, but I won't say anything. <laughs> Good for you. Well, <laughs> okay. You're right up on your history. Well, we've got uh, a caller that's going to try for that. Uh, go ahead, uh, caller. Philip, have we got a caller that thinks she knows the answer? Okay, go ahead, caller. Well, I was just calling in to say that I think it's John F. Kennedy. John F. Kennedy. JFK was out in Palmer for the State Fair. I think that was, what, in about 1960? Close. Are you yeah. from Palmer? I am. You are? Did you see him? Your voice sounds so young, you weren't even around in 1960. I was just going to say, actually, I wasn't born yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are the winner. If you'll give Philip your name, uh, Annette, you'll have two tickets to the Alaska or the UAA hockey game waiting here at KBYR front desk with your name on it. Great, thank you. Okay, thanks for calling in. Now, now, now we're going to ask you, uh, Representative Masick, is that your guess? Yes, Evan, that was my guess. <laughs> <laughs> what about the folks that are threatening civil disobedience, uh, Representative Masick, in relation to these subsistence issues and other issues? Well, I don't think that uh, they should be threatening any type of civil um, problems like that because where we're at today, you know, we're all part of the United States. We're all citizens here, and... And if they're going to cause an uproar like that, it's not going to take care of the problems that we're facing. They have to be more realistic about this issue and come to the table for discussions and, and work on it in a civil manner. Is your opinion that, uh, that that's not being done, that, th that we're not negotiating in good faith on these issues? Absolutely not, because when you're in such a hostile um, attitude there's you can't really get ahead here instead losing a lot of ground when you make uh, remarks like that I think that was totally in inappropriate uh-huh I've asked the uh, I've asked uh, Julie Kitka by the way to uh, come in and be a guest on the radio program but uh, she's uh, her people that answer the telephone uh, say that she will uh, do that and they will get back to me but uh, after numerous calls, I finally gave up because no one ever called back. So if she is or someone else listening today and would like to have Julie Kitka come in uh, who made those remarks, I would certainly like to have her uh, come in and uh, talk to us today. Beverly, we've got uh, one of your neighbors out there on the telephone uh, that has a question or comment uh, to us. Uh, Bruce, good afternoon. Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, we can. How Go you, ahead. How you doing? Doing wonderful. Well, you know, last week at the Board of Fisheries, the board agreed to hear a uh, request from the uh, people out in the Yukon-Cusquim area to allow subsistence fishing with a rod and reel as a uh, means of subsistence fishing. Last summer, they were subsistence fishing with rods and reels and were ticketed for it. And the lieutenant, uh, lieutenant the uh, attorney generals refused to prosecute them for it. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. Now, uh, you, knew, you knew that our guest today was uh, Representative Masick. I just heard that. Yeah. Are you still on with this Representative Masick? 
Yes, Evan, I'm still on. Yeah, do you know Bruce Knowles, your neighbor? I sure do. Hello, Bruce. How are you doing? Just wonderful. Thank Ed, you. Eddie and I had a good long talk yesterday about the experimental farm project. It, it sounds like we've got a uh, party line going here this afternoon from the valley. Well, actually, I'm headed to the doctor's office. Oh, you're going. Well, I hope you get better. You you have been ill. How are you feeling? Oh, pretty good. We're just going in and check up on my knee. Yeah, well, but, Bruce, uh, I appreciate the call. By the way, uh, Vic Croning is going to be uh, my guest on Friday. We'll be talking about some of these fishing issues then. Give us a call. All righty. We need to thank all the people in the legislature like Bev and all the others that are supporting us in our endeavors. Very good. Thank you. Ah. We, we'll pass that along. Representative Massick, we're going to take a break, but we hope that you'll stay uh, stay with us. We still have some important things we'd like to talk about, and we sure enjoy your insights into these things. We'll be right back and talk more with Representative Beverly Massick. Stay tuned to Alaska Outdoor Magazine, accurate and authentic answers for Alaskans by Alaskans. There's an author masterminds book by Lyle O'Connor, the new master of crime thrillers, Due Process. Enter the realm of Walter, the serial killer. Share his thoughts, his emotions, his pain, and his need to assassinate. Appalled by adjudicators coddling criminals under the guise of civil rights, Walter factors himself in as a lethal consequence for depraved individuals walking out of court with a slap on the wrist as punishment for heinous crimes. When applying justice, he finds right and wrong interchangeable. Body count is his only measure of success. You'll find all of Lyle's Vigilante serial killer novels with the publication's consultant's logo on the cover at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, and everywhere good books are sold. If you'd like to be an author mastermind's published author like Lyle O'Connor, the new master of crime thrillers, publication consultants can help. If you've written a book, if you're writing a book, or if you're thinking about writing a book, call for the free booklet, Bringing Your Book to Market. Call 349-2424. Due process was just a dream until Lyle ordered his own Bringing Your Book to Market. Publication consultants will send you the booklet free. Call 349-2424 for the free booklet, Bringing Your Book to Market. 349-2424. Lyle O'Connor called, and now due process is available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, and everywhere good books are sold. Well, welcome back to your KBYR window to Alaska Outdoors, Alaska Outdoor Magazine. We're glad you decided to come along with us. We're talking with Representative Beverly Massick this afternoon about subsistence and Indian country. Uh, Representative Massick, let's, uh, let's go back, if we could, for just a moment to the, uh, to the origin of this subsistence problem. Uh, Representative Massick, it seems to me, if I understand it correctly, the, the thing that broke the, the, that really is the, the thing that broke the system or is the root of the problem is that uh, in Anelka, as I recall, there's a, a phrase in there that says that there must be a subsistence priority. Now, there are some that say that that, that in and of itself is not a constitutional clause and that Congress cannot pass a uh, law that gives a special privilege to a group of uh, citizens based upon zip code or any other preference, that all are equal within the law. Am I uh, making that too simple, or is that the problem, or is there something else? No, that's, that's the core of the problem there, Evan. You, you highlighted it very well. That's, that's a whole problem that we're trying to deal with. 
Well, if, if that's the problem, why does the national government that broke it, why do they lose, look to us to fix it? Why doesn't our Washington folks, uh, Stevens, Murkowski, Young, just go fix the problem? Well, that's what I've been trying to find out myself by corresponding and staying in touch with them, and they keep coming back and saying, no, the state legislator has to fix it. But in order for us to do anything, um, things have to be changed at the federal level first. Well, uh, if, uh, if that was an illegal thing, why don't we just take it to court, let the Supreme Court decide on it, and forget all of the nonsense? There is a court, there is a case out there right now that's in court, and I don't know what the time frame is on when it's going to be heard and what the outcome of it would be, but uh, there is a, a case of what you're trying to talk about. I see. Well, there's another thing that pub, uh, publish, uh, the public, uh, I'll spit and untwist my tongue here, puzzles me, uh, Representative uh, Masick, and that is, uh, and maybe you're not the one to ask, but uh, you're closer to, to it than anyone else that I, that I have access to right now, but there are certain people within the state government, the, the governor, the speaker of the house, of which you're a member of, that are, have proposed uh, some, some, rule, uh, some rule changes uh, some changes that would require us to vote our rights away at the ballot box for equal uh, equality under the law, and yet at the same time they're they're the ones that are coming forth, and on those same legal grounds that they seems to that they could challenge this subsistence thing, that they're cha challenging Indian country, is that being hypo hypocritical or is there not the same issues or are they two different issues? Well, I think they're pretty much along the lines of what you just said. Uh, there are two different issues, in my own opinion, and they're trying to clause the two of them together, and they should be dealt with separately. So uh, what's, what is the fix? Uh, if, it is, if it's broken, what's the fix, Representative Masick? Getting back to the heart of the problem, and that's going to ANILCA, getting Congress to amend Title VIII, the clause that... Uh, calls for a rural preference, and, you know, our Constitution says we have to have uh, the resources here for everyone. We can't discriminate. So that'll probably be the first fix that we need to take a look at. And, of course, now uh, with the one-year extension that's been granted, and we're going back to Juneau in January, there's going to be a lot of uh, work to be done, but until... Tidalate of Anilka can be worked on. I don't know if there will ever be a solution. You know, the feds are threatening to come up here, and they have already came up here to take over certain parts of the game man management in 1990. So they are here, and uh, we're still continuing on. And I think the biggest issue right now, though, is the, com the fishing industry, and that's where everyone is really frightened about what the outcome of that would be. Uh-huh. It, it, it's going to go beyond just uh, sport hunting uh, or subsistence. It's going to go into the commercial uh, fishing as well. Exactly. Yeah. Well, uh, let's just uh, take a couple of, uh, in your opinion, of course, let's just take a couple of scenarios. If, if uh, Representative Masick, uh, let's say that, uh, that the feds do come and take over, what happens to our hunting and fishing rights? Well, as um, with Title Eight of Anilka, they have to. If the state is not in 
not uh, coming in line with uh, that world preference, then the federal government can come in and start making their own regulations to make sure that the Native people or those out in the rural areas are getting the preference that they need. So, of course, they'll be looking out for them as, you know, trying to come in compliance with Title VIII. So whatever the state is doing, you know, they can come in and make the changes that they want and make sure that the rural preference is going to be abided by. Okay, well, let's take the other scenario. Let's say that... Uh that our uh, representatives in Washington, our senators in Washington, decide that they can do something to make the uh, make the change cor to be correct according to the Constitution of the United States and in line then with the st with the state constitution, and so they come back and say now everyone in Alaska is equal as far as their right to the hunting and fishing, uh, but you and I both know that there is a, as a difference between those that are living in the bush. Uh, and those that are living in the city as far as some uh, dependence upon the fish and game, the, the berries, the, whatever it is in those areas. Uh, how, do we, how do we treat that then, being practical? Well, being practical, you have to look at it as to who really need it. And that's where, you know, where people have to be honest and come forward and say, yes, I, I really do need that, the fish and the game. To survive, but um, you know we have to do it based on need, and that's where again the native communities, uh, the native AFN, they don't want to see it based on use. They want to see it based on customary and traditional, regardless of if you need it or not. Uh huh. Well, let me propose a couple of other things and, and see if these have ever been explored or what you even think about these. Did uh, you ever hear of a man uh, by the name of Tony Shirk? No, I haven't. Okay, Tony Shirk has a brother, Lori, that lives, uh, and his uh, father lived at Kiana. Uh, Tony lived in Kosaboo, and he and Muktuk Marston, you remember that name? Yeah. They went into the Kosaboo area and convinced a lot of folks up there, and, uh, and uh, Tony went to work and, and a lot of, put in a lot of gardens. And they, ra they proved that they could raise those gardens in uh, Kosaboo uh, so that people then could be self-reliant and uh, could subsist right from their own backyard. But that never did catch on, uh, even though that there was uh, Muktuk Marston and Tony was able to convince the people, and they had their own gardens, it, uh, the, the local people never uh, uh, really caught on and the gardens went to weeds when Muktuk and uh, Tony left. Is there any proposals or any thought by the native community or the state or others to, to make the people in those areas uh, more self-reliant uh, through uh, raising gardens or farming uh, with uh, caribou or moose or reindeer? Actually, I think there's already a few thing, cases that came about in the past oh, 20 years because from what I can recall back in, in the middle 70s, Tanana Chiefs and uh, a couple other nonprofits, they received a whole bunch of money and they were coming into the villages and bringing all these seeds and potatoes and everything and nobody really followed through with it though like you said if you don't there's no one there to make sure the program is going to be initiated then nothing is going to be done it's, it's probably a little too much work too it takes every day to care about it and i don't know if they're that committed to 
doing something like that. Well, this is uh, just my opinion, uh, Representative Masick, that this afternoon, and of course, uh, as they say, opinions are kind of like the buses. They came by, come by about every 15 minutes. But uh, it seems to me that if folks uh, could become self-reliant in the bush and not depend upon government quite so much, that they'd feel better about uh, themselves, and some of these problems may not exist that we now have. How do you feel about that? Well, until we can get some good, fresh, new ideas in the leadership arena, as far as, you know, the Native leaders are concerned, I think there's a lot that can be done out there. But until, you know, some new people are brought in with a good agenda put forward that would be for the betterment of every person, you know, throughout this whole state and how we're going to solve this problem, well, uh, Representative Masick, you'd certainly uh, qualify uh, to be a leader of, uh, and, and you are in your own right, a leader in the Native community. If you were given the chance to uh, uh, move into a position of responsibility, uh, what would be those fresh ideas that you could suggest that would solve this problem? Well, first of all, all the programs that are being initiated uh, left and right through the state and federal government and all the funding that's been going on for years and years, there needs to be some accountability in trying to get these people out in the rural areas to, I don't know if we can make them change their lifestyle, but um, to help bring them into this modern world because, you know, we're, we're moving ahead here and we can't live back in the past. Although, you know, the culture is important, we can surely use that to strengthen and, and build up character, but we have to really look at jobs, and I think that's, you know, where the, that would answer a lot of the problems that we're seeing out in the rural areas, because the jobs that are out there now are pretty much dominated by women, and, you know, men are feeling a little left out, and before that, the men were working hard and keeping the family going, and surviving, you know, getting firewood and hunting and fishing and doing odds and ends of uh, jobs, you know, with the trapping and so forth. But until we could come up with a good idea on how to initiate that to each region, then that's, that's pretty much an idea that I would foresee in trying to solve this problem. But what, what, what the specific idea that, uh, the philosophical, what you say is absolutely true, and we hear that all the time, that this is what has to happen. But in a practical sense, name one thing that can be done. Uh, well, I've been in a lot of the uh, villages. Let's take White Mountain for an example. I've been to White Mountain, and White Mountain had the White Mountain Lodge that was owned and operated by a Native community and, and was not successful. It didn't, uh, did, not, uh, did not go. It had to be turned over to, I think it's being run now as a uh, drug abuse, alcohol abuse uh, for the people in the bush. What, what are some of the things that you could actually have a practical application to do? Well, again, that's where education would fall in. A lot of these Native people need to get out and about and join the real world. I mean, you know, it's, you can try to get an education out in rural, the rural area, but for you to get on-the-job training and experience right get involved with it. I think a lot of these Native people have a lot of potential if they could be provided the avenue to come and do the work and you know, get, get hands-on experience. And as far as that lodge is concerned, um, again, if there were some good educated people that could take care of it and manage it and then 
work with these powerful native corporations, and boy, they sure could get, they could go a long way. So you think that the solution lies in tourism? Well, most definitely, it's a, it's a, it's a resource that can be used over and over and over again. I think that's really where we should be focusing on. Well, now, how about up in the North Slope at Point Barrow, in that area where the natural resources have certainly brought a lot of wealth into that area? What's uh, happening uh, to the community that, that does have a lot of money? Well, with the North Slope, um, they're, they're doing pretty well up there. You know, they've got um, their infrastructure built up pretty. It, it's looking really good. I think their outlook, I don't know if they have a lot of serious problems, but... They seem to be doing pretty well. But they're better than some of the other communities that don't have that advantage. Right. They're, they're way out there. They're way on top almost. As a matter of fact, they are on top of the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe that's what it means. Well, uh, let's, uh, let's get uh, on a little lighter subject uh, for a moment, uh, Representative Massick. Did you get any fishing done this summer? Well, I went out to the Deshka River and and um, went out to check out the weir that the fish and game put in and watch the fish swim by. But as far as fishing, I haven't had too much time to get out, although uh, my husband and I, we go up and down the big Susitna River. Um, but as far as fish, there wasn't too many out there. So are you a, are you a hunter as well, uh, Representative Massick? Do you get out and, and bring home the bacon from the woods? <laughs> well, I got five brothers, Evan, and each one of them pretty much take care of me. Oh, is that right? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, well, you, you're lucky then. Yeah, pretty you, lucky, but I, I like to get out with the dog teams and you know, take the dogs out. I have to shoot a moose every now and then when they get into the dog team. Well, uh, we sure wish you well, uh, Representative Massick, on your uh, dog mushing uh, endeavors this uh, fall. I hope you have a, a good time and uh, and uh, you win a race or two. Oh, well, thanks. Yeah, I'd like to get out there whenever I get the time. I'm uh, in the process of uh, publishing a book for Don Bowers. Oh, are you? That's yes. great. And it's called Back of the Pack. Wow, that's <laughs> pretty good. So uh, I'm, uh, I'm getting acquainted with dog mushing from a different aspect than ever before. Well, Don's a great guy. You yes out with a real good book yeah well again uh, representative Massick, thank you very much for being with us uh, we appreciate it we'll talk to you another time tell john hello for me i sure will evan and thank you very much and we'll look forward to being in touch with you in the future okay thanks a lot thank you we'll see you now and now before we close the show there's just time for one last cast Today's, today's one last cast comes from Murray Fenton of Fenton Brothers Alaska Fishing Guides is entitled The King and the Hood. I was a guiding, uh, uh, Murray writes, I was guiding a group of four people from the lower 48 on the Kenai River, a half mile below Poacher's Cove near Harry Gaines Camp. We were drifting near a bend of the river above Eagle Rock. All my clients had caught their king except one lady. We just got through making a drift and were, were running back upstream to do another one. It was kind of raining that morning, and the lady, without her king, had a raincoat on. A little gust of wind caught the hood of her coat, and it came off and went into the water. We turned around real quick to go and see if we could pick it up. As I approached the hood, it disappeared underwater and was gone. Everyone in the boat made comments like, Well, someone will catch a fish, and it will be wearing the rain hat. 
we went up and continued uh, fishing and working our way downstream. We got about eight miles below where the lady lost her rain hat, and she got a fish on. It made a strong run upriver, and we followed it. We chased it upstream and caught up to it. Uh, pretty soon it decided going upstream wasn't a good idea, and the fish started coming back down and heading for the sea. We followed and followed, fought it all the way down to the lower bluffs below Beaver Creek. The fish didn't jump or anything, and we never knew how big it was. Finally, the line went slack like it was running right towards the boat. I told the lady, real fast, real fast. In just a minute, the hooks came out. She was doing everything fine, and I thought she still had the fish on and was telling her to keep reeling. Keep the line tight and keep reeling. She reeled and she reeled and she reeled. It was just like she was fighting a fish, and all of a sudden it came off. But there was, well, there was still something on her line. She kept cranking, and then she brought her raincoat hood to the surface. The odds of having that happen are too great to even calculate. This will stick in my mind as long as, as I live as a strange one. Soon after she landed her raincoat hood, the, she caught a fish. They photographed it plenty, and now she has the picture of her fish hanging on her wall next to her trophy raincoat hood. If it's in the outdoors and in Alaska, you'll find it on Alaska Outdoor Magazine. Goodbye and good luck. May God bless you in the land of the midnight sun, and may your days be happy and long in Alaska's outdoors. Tomorrow, as always, we'll bring you accurate and authentic answers for Alaskans by Alaskans. In the meantime, keep in touch.